0: Welcome, Witches, Warlocks, Ghosts, and Ghouls. You are currently listening to part two of a two-part Halloween special on Entertain This. If you've yet to watch episode one, go back and watch that one first. Without further ado... Let's continue our adventure.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna, Rippers, I'm gonna baby. try
2: to jump because okay. I can't get out the door.
1: Yeah. Is there any way like we saw her fall down, did we? You yeah. saw her
2: fall, you can try to pursue her.
1: Yeah, I'm I wanna like see where that panel was and see if I can open it, like jump on like not jump on it, but like
2: You are unable to pry it open. But, Go
1: ahead. She's Please. down below. We're going down below. We and need to go below. Are you trying to
0: pry it up? Are you trying to pry it up? Because she fell down through. No, no. I was trying to like... This is a push, not go
2: a pull.
1: Ahead. Yeah, no. I was trying to like... Bah, bah, bah. Six, and 6 Yeah, c
2: six T sixes. Six sixes. Okay. So, you jump up and manage to wedge your fingers into an opening in the, the ceiling like a... What are those called? Like a ceiling tile. Yeah, you wedge your fingers in. And using your gymnast strength, you're able to pull yourself up to the ceiling in between where the floor is of the upper deck and where you are now. It is dark, it is dusty. Not like a good Yes, you are essentially in the vents of the ship.
0: We need to look for loose boards. Maybe not, maybe not the
1: trap door, but just loose boards. Well here, we're already going down anyway, because we
2: need to go down. I'm gonna knock on the ones underneath to try to get them to see my man. You hear a faint knocking, you can attempt to follow it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, since you spoke first, I'll have you roll. No. I don't see any sixes. No. Nope. No sixes. No any ones?
0: No. Nope. Okay. The death boy can't hear.
2: <laughs> As you go down the stairs attempting to search for the sound of Viola's knocking, you trip over your own feet and you tumble down the stairwell and you land next to where the passenger storage is where lifeboats used to rest and your stitches rip open again.
0: Pop my stitches, I'm bleeding.
2: I'm gonna go ahead and end the chapter there. These things are true. The world is dark.
1: I have peed
0: myself, but only a little. William speaks the language that's held inside of the
3: book I have. There is a lone lifeboat 500 feet from the boat.
2: My phone is close to dying. They are currently all on one level of the ship.
1: Like a zombie in The Walking Dead, I know the monsters we a
2: And together you say,
3: We,
1: and we are, are alive. alive!
2: Viola finds herself in the vents above the crew's quarters. Jordan finds himself... In a bloody heap at the bottom of the stairs on the hold, where are the two of you?
1: At the top of the stairs looking down at Jordan. Jordan, fuck, man.
3: And I come down. And I come down. I'm going to follow him. I'm right behind him.
2: Go ahead and roll for me.
0: All sixes, all
3: sixes. Hot Escuidors, money. Escalators, escalators, escalators. You, you got six. Eos. You got a one, though. And a one. Okay, that's not bad.
2: All right. You yeah. managed to come down the stairs successfully with Jordan, but the morphine is wearing off, and every step becomes more taxing. Damn it. You begin to almost limp and shrug over from the weight of this poison in your veins.
3: Ooh, it's starting to hurt again.
2: Jordan, you managed to make your way to your feet, And you see that the door that supposedly Viola fell into the room of is open. So you open it. And you see the same horrors that she was presented with, but no Viola. Are you still knocking? Yes. Okay. You hear a faint knocking. Does anyone attempt to go after it?
1: Yeah. I'm
0: wrapping my leg. Go ahead and roll.
1: All right, cool.
2: Ew. <laughs> Two times. <laughs> That's, That's, <laughs> That's a failure. Cute. Okay. No way. <laughs> you do not find her and instead stumble around and trip into the pile of dead bodies, Ugh, making great. a horrible squelching sound as you land. Ugh and seeing one eyeball pop out of somebody's head and roll right in front of you, almost as if it's looking at you.
1: Uh, I just vomit in my mouth a little bit and (laughs) suck it back down and then try and wrestle out of it.
2: Great. Okay. You managed to extricate yourself. Viola is still missing. William is still poisoned. Jordan is still bleeding. We'll go ahead and end that one there. These things are true. The world is dark. I think I found
3: an exit in the vents. Wim has also suffered from a gunshot wound before.
0: Viola's exit she found is straight down. Like
2: in the water?
0: No, like you're fucking falling. I mean... Like you're crawling through the vent and then
1: it just... (coughs) My body is slippery because of the tanning oil I uh, put on earlier in the day out of habit.
2: As of this moment, as you are all standing on the ship backup generator that was at least keeping lights on putters out the one that you can find is now your only hope for light and together you say
0: we, we are, are alive. alive
2: we will go ahead and start with viola again falling straight down go ahead and roll
0: way?
2: yeah all right <laughs> um i was wondering yeah no we can do you use them in oh, place yeah. of a roll it's if you fail and you would like to use it to save yourself. I forgot about that. Yeah, I did too, or else I totally I'm sorry, I'm a terrible GM. No, you're fine. It's not it's our job to remember. Okay. You want me to roll? Yeah. So from this point forward, if you fail you can use your moment, your vice, your virtue. But it has to be in the order that you put it. Yes. Mm. And you sacrifice it and then you incorporate it into saving yourself.
0: It's good that we save them all for the end, because this is where we're gonna fucking need them.
2: That's true. Thank
3: you. That Very good. Yeah. Deuces.
1: I got two ones. Okay. Oh, shit. <laughs> now, I
0: got two sixes. I think you can still burn them to save those ones, too.
1: Can I?
2: Yeah. If you would like to re-roll the ones, you can sacrifice something. Okay, I'll use it to save a dice, a you singular say a dice. Guy. Yeah, you save both. Oh, I save both? Mm-hmm. <laughs> which
0: is almost 50% of the dice we had, which is a good call.
2: Go yeah. ahead and burn whatever you're using. Use a light
0: or not the candle. I could put the candle out.
2: Okay. Tell us how you are it incorporating bowl, it.
1: What? What is it?
2: It is my vice. It's that I'm... Um, extremely paranoid. I can't- Here, come ah. on. I can't use lighters. Burn, baby, burn. It's
1: going <laughs> to <laughs> Um... Uh,
3: so I'm gonna set off your smoke
2: detector, right? No, that's fine. Okay. It's really not. <laughs> not um, good. Fine. But I'm extremely paranoid, and since... I... Since you guys haven't found me yet, I assume you're not really looking. So I'm having, I'm sorry, I'm like mesmerized. Just yeah. she um, so now I'm very paranoid of your true intentions. You come crashing down out of the vent into passenger storage, which is just a large bin where lifeboats used to be, and you crash down onto one remaining lifeboat. It's pretty dope. Yes Okay Um, As she crashes down into passenger storage Jordan, you are sitting there uh, Bandaging up your leg And you see it happen You hear it happen
0: I just go Hey
2: Hi Found you Did you?
0: Yeah There you are
2: Uh, Okay
0: As you can see, I am bleeding From my leg now Yeah so we were looking for you, I was
1: following your knocks. And I fell down the steps. Okay. I'm taking like two steps out of the bloody pile of bodies and just. <laughs> 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 Himbo fell in some bloody bones trying to find oh. you. Yeah,
2: the I dark, saw those. brackish water that floods the hold seems to begin encroaching towards you. Oh, shit. We need out of here. I saw something when I was in that room. Remember that this is probably your only chance to get to the backup generator.
1: Maybe we should take this boat down there.
2: Let's go. We need to go now, though. Here,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. You still have the backpack with the EKG? Yeah. Yeah, okay, cool. Is
0: this an inflatable boat, or is this like a wooden boat? Inflatable. Oh, cool. We can carry it.
2: Okay, you inflate the boat, and you drag it into the brackish water. Oh, I
0: meant we could carry it uninflated.
2: I figured it was already inflated. Yeah. Mm I like fell on it. What is your truth?
0: Are we trying to get this to the top of the ocean, or are we trying to leave it in the bottom of the boat?
2: Well, there's one outside. We know that for sure.
0: 500 feet away from us.
2: Yeah, we could swim.
1: I've been next to a cruise ship.
2: I'm,
1: I'm I, just I saying. The, I see the truth. <laughs> the truth is that it is not inflated. Okay. I'm going to make that exact decision. Not inflated. And I'm going to... All right. Jordan. You, hey bro come with me we're gonna we're gonna get this generator back up and running all right let's go
3: we, all right we should save the boat to try and escape yeah take yeah. It, take it upstairs we're splitting up I don't fucking know uh I'm staying right here my back hurts okay then
1: stay here let's go
0: you take that boat upstairs if we're not up there if the lights come on and we don't make it back up give us five minutes you take that boat and you go
3: I'm a feeble old man I just want to get off the ship. If you're not willing to move,
1: <laughs> I can only do so much, William.
3: Okay. Here, take decision. these knives.
0: Give them. Give them your knife too. To I you did. Then take take this knife, William. Okay.
3: Switch me knives. <laughs> I, want <the> <laughs> I want the cooler one. I, I'm pretty sure I still have a cast iron skillet at this point. Yeah. That's cool. Just take all the weapons. I have a gun. I'll be all right.
2: Okay. The two of you take the uninflated boat and the rest of the weapons, and yeah. you go up to the lower deck. The two of you begin to swim into the dark waters. Mm-hmm. I will have you do a joint roll for this. So okay. one of you can roll the dice and so it'll apply to both of you.
3: As opposed to a roll joint, right? I will do this. A joint roll, not a roll of
0: joint. Ah, oh, okay. Get your facts straight. <coughs> <coughs>
1: That's four. No sixes, but I am going to burn my moment. Okay. This This is my
2: moment. Uh,
1: Before jumping into the uh, brackish wire, I'm going to take out my cell phone, turn on the selfie view, and... I will reflect upon myself by looking at my face in the camera view, thinking about the family of bros that I have at home Mm -hmm. and how that strengthens me with resolve.
2: A contemplative moment for our himbo. Go ahead and burn it.
1: While also practicing my selfie poses.
0: See, you had two voices you could have gone with. It was this one or Johnny Bravo, and Mm -hmm. either one (laughs) would
1: have fit. (laughs) Hey, pretty mama. (laughs) <laughs> oh, oh yeah actually physically burn it yeah we're
2: gonna burn
1: it burn it this for burn way <laughs> burn it for bernie this himbo is probably probably a liberal
2: you are sacrificing cares about others this a, part a of yourself of but in this moment of thinking about your homies you find hope
0: burn one for the homies
2: yeah. okay You manage to swim through the dark water with the captain's flashlight brandished in front of you. You reach the door to the equipment storage, and with one underwater bang, it floats open. And you see in this equipment storage room the backup generator at the back, but something seemingly swimming around in the darkness. You try to focus your flashlight on it, but it's too fast. Nope. <laughs> do you continue to swim forward?
1: Yeah, we need to.
0: You still got that flare gun? Yeah. Flares burn underwater, don't they?
2: Yeah, they do. You can fire it.
1: Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it and shoot it down at the floor of the... Okay. Right into the middle.
2: As you fire the flare gun, the two of you get a real good look. At what has been pursuing you this whole time? It is inhuman and in animal. It does have the two cloven hooves of something that you may have seen before, but its skin is grayish white. It is tall and sinewy, and it's. Muscles. I hate that word. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. On okay. both of its hands and legs its nails extend out inches and in its face you see a maw of sharpened teeth and two glowing yellow eyes.
0: I put the gun in Himbo's hand and I swim for the generator.
2: Okay.
1: Yeah, is there space on top of the generator? Like that a Himbo could fit?
2: It is all the way on the other side of the room. So you're going to have to swim for it if that's your plan.
1: Oh, shit. Um, I'm going to...
2: But you can start shooting.
1: No, I'm not going to start shooting. I'm going to... Is it coming for us?
2: Since you have fired the flare gun, it is looking at both of you, sizing you up, deciding who to go for, and what you do next will absolutely determine that.
1: I am going to... Try and distract it and okay. gain its attention, Okay. so that I can use my uh, my swimming ability to try and maybe uh, lead it away.
2: Jordan, go ahead and make your own roll.
0: Uh, guess who's burning their motherfucking bodies? <laughs> it's kay. this boy. Uh, okay, so completely pissed at the situation that we're currently stuck in. Mm -hmm. Um and kind of going off what I was already planning on doing. I hand him the gun and I abandon him. I swim as fast as I can to that fucking generator. And I just hope for the best for him.
2: Okay. And you my vice was rungs around attempting to distract the creature, waving the gun, the flare dying off as does the light around you. Go ahead and roll for me. All right. <laughs> All <Alrighty. laughs>
1: Oh, dice. Oh, dice. Give me the good shit. Six. There's a six and no ones. Hey,
0: we love to see that. Fantastic.
2: So you thrash around and the creature lunges for you. But as it does, your thrashing connects a foot solidly into its throat and it chokes ah, underwater and it thrusts itself backward away from you and you are able to swim after Jordan as fast as you can and it seems to disappear. You both reach the generator. I'm going to go ahead and have you do another joint roll to see if you can turn it on. Do you want me to do this
1: one? Yeah, please. Please.
2: I give it that that good shake six 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 no one's no sixes, one. six is no one wow yeah, you even though you are underwater even though you are scared and bleeding and you have just gotten into a fight with something that is unholy and inhuman you flip that bad boy on i still know my generators though And suddenly, lights flicker back on in the ship for the first time in almost a week. And that is where we will end that chapter. (laughs) These things are true, ladies and gents. The world is a little less dark.
1: One of my colored contacts that is also a vision corrector fell out of my eye. Jordan
0: has located where the water is getting in. It's in this room. It's a pretty
3: large hole. William was also in the Navy for a short while.
2: William and Viola have successfully made it to the upper deck. And together you say,
1: We we are are alive. Alive. Okay, let's... And my finger's covered in wax now. (laughs) Let's take it
2: back to our friends on the upper deck. Do you inflate the ship what are you doing <laughs> He's <the> wow <laughs> isn't it the main deck where like you can get out like that's where you're actually out the main deck, deck is where place. you can see the stars so hey, we should probably wait it. till we get to the main deck to inflate it right? okay is that where you're headed yeah
3: i think we should go there yes
2: okay so you will go up the stairs, to the main deck, being careful to continue to retrace your steps so that no one is more poisoned. But, William, your vision is beginning to fade. I'd like you to make a roll for me. i six.
3: Thank fuck. No ones.
2: <laughs> you are still able to see and you are still able to hear and walk and sense, but you can feel that your time on this earth is growing short.
3: The sense of impending doom. Mm.
2: So you are on the main deck now. Is there anything that you would like to do? Please keep in mind that the bottom part of the main deck is melted, destroyed, and the top part of the deck is where the asshole Marine has locked himself away. And in between, only poison. You can choose to inflate the ship and go back for your friends. You can choose to sit and wait. You can choose to go engage the Marine. Mm -hmm. I think we should sit and wait and see if they come back.
3: We should sit and wait, but I fear my time is coming
2: our time is coming to an end, Milly. Really.
3: You're not special.
4: <laughs>
2: uh, Sorry to be blind. <laughs> Viola, make a roll for me. Got two ones and no six. six time. time to
0: burn, baby.
2: <laughs> can I... Can I burn a thingy? You sure? Okay. Cloth? Right. <laughs> Will you pass it a lighter? Actually, surprisingly, my virtue is that I'm empathetic. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: I guess you feel bad?
2: I feel really bad for what I said. Like, it was oh, just that I was out of anger, I'm and I'm sorry. stressed, and I didn't mean when I said. I'm just very stressed that we're not going to get off the boat. So I'm really sorry.
3: You said empathetic? Yeah. Oh, you said apathetic.
2: In this dark moment where you are afraid and you are angry, and you are confused. You lash out at this old man who is dying, and then you immediately feel bad, but you know that there's nothing you can do. Let's go back to our friends in the hold. You have made your way out of the water, and you managed to shake yourselves off and enjoy the flickering light that has now been granted to you. What would you like to do?
1: Weird, we gotta make it back up. We can go find our friends. Right? If the power's on, we can probably call out for help.
0: Oh, yeah, there's a radio. Right. And there's more than just us on this ship. We know that much now. The Marine was a dick. Yeah, but what if Bill's wife is somewhere here? I haven't
2: brought his wife yet.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. There's still that, like, sounds from the ballroom, right? Yeah.
0: I know the Marine was a dick, but we ought to send him and that girl off on the boat and see if we can't get the rescue rangers here.
1: Where where was the radio at?
2: The radio room is on the quarter deck, top part of the ship. Oh, Okay. Your pen is sitting on it.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, if we gotta get up there anyways, we're gonna be right by the radio room. Right. We did hear something from there
0: before, though, so... <sighs> about your breaking glass.
1: Oh, shit, that's
0: where that came from. We just gotta be careful.
1: Okay. Uh... Yeah, I think... Myself, I'm gonna start making my way up. And now that I've got the gun. I'm going to hold my phone with the flashlight out like this. Mm-hmm. Oh no, he looks like he knows what he's doing. I trust yeah, him. Yeah, <laughs> I'm doing it like pistol overne- over the like 90 degree left arm. Okay. Left hand holding my flashlight pointed out from my phone.
0: You know how to use one of those things, right?
1: Yeah, I know how to turn a flashlight on. No, right? you know how to use a gun, right? Oh yeah, yeah. No, you press this thing, right? Yeah, and then? What do you mean then?
2: All of a sudden, Jordan, before you can finish explaining how to use a gun, your vision clouds over, and you see him fall to his knees, and you begin to have a vision, a vision of your mother talking you into bed, reading you a bedtime story, and you feel a sense of peace, and then your vision unclouds, and in front of you, in front of Brett, Brett. You see that the creature has returned, and this time, it is mad.
1: I turn, and knowing where its weak point is, I'm going to
2: take a quick pop-pop. Go ahead and roll, and I'm going to label this as a dire conflict.
1: I know what that means.
0: Yeah, what does that mean?
2: That means that if you fail... It is not good.
1: Do die. Okay, come I? Die down.
2: Please be careful with candle. If it goes out,
1: that's bad. Especially bring me on. If it goes out, and burns down house is worse. Oh. Pepper. Uh, okay, we got four.
0: Dude, it? is this a joint roll?
2: just ran okay he's the one that kicked it in the throat that's
1: a six two sixes two sixes funny
2: (laughs) (laughs) you fire and it lands right into this creature's skull and you see its head explode matter going all over the walls because it
0: doesn't matter
2: And it burn. also splatters onto you. How's that
0: burn field?
2: <laughs> but you have successfully underwater? slayed the beast. No, you've climbed out of the okay, water. Okay,
1: cool, oh, cool, yeah. cool. I was about to say. Yeah, so I turned you. See, look, I know how to... Wait, you're having a seizure. Shit. <laughs> and I'm going to, like, kind of come down and, like, uh, try and, like, I'm going to take the rest of my shirt off, bundle it up real quick, and, like, put it under your head, lay you on your side... And like, I'm fine, get off. Oh, oh shit. Get. Uh, what happened? What was that? I just... I...
0: I think I know what dying feels like. I Duh. saw my mom. Wait. She was telling me a story.
2: The two of you, still on the main deck, hear from below where you know that the ballroom is... A chorus of screams that end with choking and dying. You can choose whether to investigate this or not, but the two of you have succeeded. And I think we will end that chapter there. <laughs> These things are true. The world is dark.
1: We have another round of magazine. Another magazine for a filled magazine for the pistol. They are a
0: hive mind, which means they have a queen. Oh, I just thought of a good truth
1: and I should have used it. Give it to Nick. Gift it. Uh, I'll allow it. The gifted one was that one of the voices that you heard was your wife's voice.
2: When? From the ballroom? Yeah. Oh god damn it. Oh no You are filled dun, dun, with uh,
1: determination.
0: <laughs>
2: well now I nice. we can do
1: it. The sound of hearing your dying wife fills you with determination. All right,
2: to. The two of you <laughs> guess who died? Uh, Though you do not know that this creature is a hive mind, sense that you have done something terrible, and you have opened a door by killing this creature, so you begin to make your way quickly back up to the lower deck to find your friends. We need to move. And the two of you remain on the main deck, waiting for your friends, heavily armed, and thank goodness, because all of a sudden, from the med bay... Two creatures come crashing out. Great. Right. Fuck. What?
1: Well, no. Um so like I'm already I'm in like attack stance mm-hmm. from what I've seen in like karate movies. Um and I'm like <laughs> you get behind me. You're old as fuck. Hey, you,
0: you don't get truth this round. <laughs> <time.
2: laughs> um, the creature lunges for you in your hesitation. I'm and <laughs> I'm going to go
1: throw something. I'm going to throw a knife. I've never thrown knives before. But you throw the accuracy. knife at it. Go ahead and roll. With uh, dire consequences. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, you only get three dice. There's only three candles. <laughs> double dyer. <laughs> it's a double dog dyer situation. do <laughs> you guys ever watched that show on Nickelodeon? Double dyer?
2: Six. Dyer. I got six. six. I got a six. <laughs> Woo, As the creature lunges at her, she happens to get it right in the chest with the large bread knife, and the thing shrieks a sound that makes your ears ring. And William, you fall to the ground and blood begins to leak from your ears. But the creature falls in front of you. The other creature runs off. Seemingly to find something. And the two of you are safe. Are the two of you continuing up the floors? Uh,
0: Yeah. I think we should maybe go through vents and try to... Get as far from this place as possible. i been we, playing a lot of Imposter we, lately. We do- when you kill something and people start coming after you, you go through the
1: vents. We hmm. should go. Uh, we should go to the kitchen and try and go up the the vent thing to the captain's quarters. I think that it, that it, that that's not an option. Yeah, of the all captain's of the, quarters are destroyed. The acid. Oh shit, you're right. Because of the acid is yeah. why. Uh, yeah, we need to go though. We need to try and get to the radio. Well, actually, I don't even think we got fucking time for the rain. Okay,
0: hear me out. What if we go down and out that hole that was letting all the water in? Maybe we can swim to the surface and get back on the ship using a ladder.
1: Now, I may not be the, uh, the sweetest cookie in the jar. (laughs) I don't even think you know what you're about to say.
0: I really don't have time for this.
1: But... Isn't that water pressure shooting in? How are we going to go out? We're fighting the pressure, all the water from the ocean. It's possible. Trust me. Uh, I think we should just try and get on that life raft and fucking go, bro.
0: Okay, how do I explain this? So, so you know when you were a kid and you were in a bathtub and you put a, a cup of water in halfway? Yeah. It didn't continue sucking the water in. It stayed stable with the level of the water. That's what's happening. That's why the boat's not sinking. It's being held. Suspended. It's slowly filling with water, but it's not currently sucking water in. It's just lowering deeper into the water and accepting more of it. So there's no pressure. You with me, Himbo?
2: (laughs) The way the GM sees it, you have a few choices. Either you go out the hole. In the hull of the ship, you take the lifeboat and you get the hell out of Dodge, or you go up to the main levels and you find the people that you left behind.
1: I say that we don't have a way of staying afloat once we get out the hole. We need to go to the raft.
0: Okay, let's fight our way up then. Okay. I'm going to take out my little keychain knife because now that's all I have.
1: Oh, mm. uh, that's right. Here, take, take the gun. You know how to use it.
0: Okay, you take take the knife then.
1: I still have my, my meat
0: beater. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> then you beat your meat. Hold
2: on. Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay, so you go up onto the lower deck and Jordan, you are leading the way with the gun and... You recognize what is happening in Brett instantaneously. Brett's vision clouds, he falls to his knees and all of a sudden he sees his dad pushing him on a swing in a park where he grew up and then he comes to but you are still alone this time confronted by no monsters. So you help him to his feet and you continue to run. You get up to the upper deck with the dining hall and you still can hear not screaming but the moaning and the crying of people who seemingly just want to die coming from the ballroom. Would you like to investigate or continue up to find your friends? Okay, hear me out. It's a hard note. Can I interject with like a previous note that we already made? You said, give you five minutes. Once the lights turn on.
0: Yeah, but it's, it's probably only been a couple of minutes.
2: I'll say yeah. that, I'm just saying, the, you said five. Though yeah. time has passed, you you are only as concerned as you were before. You believe they're still on their way. Yeah,
1: we, we made an agreement. They're going to leave without <sighs> us.
2: Okay, well, we should go up and tell them that
0: everything's okay.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. If there was going to be
0: a... A queen, it's probably in the room where all of the food's being kept right now, and I assume that's there, because those people don't sound like they're suffering. Well, it sounds like they're suffering, but not actively. It sounds like they're in it for the long haul.
1: I say we go up, let's make that decision after we get up to the, up, up to Bill and, uh, Violin.
0: Okay, well, let's go.
2: Okay. You meet up, once again, on the main deck, all four of you. William, I'm going to need you to make another roll.
0: Hmm. Oh. Roll, more like told cause it's better pay.
2: You got a six and two ones.
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> you you might wanna burn, cause that leaves us only one die yes, for that's, everything that's else. successful. But that leaves us only one die for everything else.
3: Um.
1: I mean, have you even burned
3: any? Uh, no, I don't. No. Okay. I will burn. Okay. The more you burn, the more you earn. That's
1: what they say in California.
3: What is... (laughs) What do you... What do you... What do you burn in your? So this is a vice. It was what was on top. And it's, uh... Anger. Lashing out in anger. After so many repeated offenses, of course. So what that means is... You're getting pissed at God. You're like, you're not taking my soul, bitch. As I... Get up, after I've been attacked by whatever that was, the, was. both attacked
2: The ringing of your wife's screams still in your ears.
3: Yes, I get very angry. And the sudden burst of adrenaline leads me downstairs to the ballroom. Yielded uh, a cast iron pan. I bust down the doors. Oh, you have
2: convulged on <laughs> oh, okay. the main deck together, but then all of a sudden...
3: I'm getting pissed.
2: Yeah. William, something happens to him, something snaps in his brain, and he runs.
0: Decision made. We're going. Oh, shit.
2: Oh, fuck. You follow him, but he got there first, and he was the one that kicked open the doors. And with that, I'm ending this chapter. I These mistakes. things are still true. The world is dark.
0: Flat. Kick open the door sitting in front of him giant mound of flesh bunch of bunch of eyes bunch of faces slowly realize oh shit this is everybody who was on the cruise all conjoined into one thing and up at the top of it is the head of the beast
2: in in the crash of the captain's quarters being destroyed a rifle a double-barreled shotgun, I'll say, has spun out onto the floor, and you find that as you run down after William. And together you say, We, we are alive. At this point in the story. Pepperoni, <laughs> pepperoni. The doors to the ballroom have crashed open thanks to William's <laughs> swift kick. Thank you a lot, William. And in front of you, you all see the mound of flesh and eyes and hands and feet and faces, some of them you recognize passing in the buffet line during the time when your cruise hadn't turned into such a nightmare. And at the head of it, you see, like the creatures before it, but three, four times its size, big glowing yellow eyes, and a maw of three rows of daggered teeth. (laughs) ...is the Hive Queen. It is very high up in the air, and dangling in front of this flesh monster is a chandelier but not the chandelier that you remember seeing in the ballroom during the opening night dance. Instead, this chandelier is covered in spikes and knives and seems to be dangling very precariously. As you all step into the ballroom, the doors slam shut behind you and you see that you are now surrounded on all sides by the creatures as well. But they do not go for you. They simply stand and watch as the Hive Queen sizes you all up. Well, what's your next move? The it's Hive you. Queen
0: is slowly all right. oh, inching boy. toward you. Oh, great. That's what Let's we wanted. Let's shoot it in
3: the face. You can read-
1: there might be something in the captain's book. Because he can read the language. I'm going to throw you the book. Okay. You Unsummon the shit. Yeah. <laughs> if I know how fucking Cthulhu monsters work, it's that none of it makes any sense. Read the book and I throw it at you.
2: You open the book and you see that it is in Latin, which you just happened to take a class on in college because you're one of those weird guys. (laughs) (laughs) He just wants to keep the language alive. It's a noble cause, but we all know it's silly, except for this moment where it seemingly may save your life. You begin thumbing through the book and your Latin is rusty. And what is in this book is arcane, but you discover some passages that seem to be what you could only label as a spell. So digging from your subconscious the pronunciations, you begin to try to choke out these words. What would the rest of you like to do?
0: Uh, I'm aiming my gun at the rope that's currently suspending the chandelier and waiting for the queen to be under it. And then I'm going to take a shot to cut the rope with a bullet.
2: Due to her massive size, because of all the people that she has um, inhaled, she moves very slowly.
0: She's like... But you
2: sense that there is a chance somewhere in the future.
1: I'm holding my turn. I'm I'm going to lure her forward. <laughs> I'm gonna be standing in front, like trying, like all I've got is a fucking meat tenderizer. Uh-huh. So i What you, a useful tool to have uh, exactly right now. Viola,
2: make a roll for me. It works. We oh, don't need to like, check. You need to roll. Damn. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> you have two dice to roll. So you're you're oh. holding your ground with the meat pounder.
3: Yeah. Is that here. all? Yeah.
2: Just stand in. Tough and tall. <laughs> I got six oh,
1: way. Way. <laughs> Okay. You managed
2: to only piss off the queen slightly. So one of the creatures comes forward and instead of hurting you, simply wrenches your arms behind your back and tugs you forward.
1: Oh, if that's what's happening, then I have like seen that thing coming up and I'm just going to take a whack right at its fucking head.
2: With the meat pounder? Yeah. Make a roll.
0: Does she drop the shotgun?
2: Yes, she has dropped the shotgun.
1: Not if I can get to it first. Uh, I'm going to burn a virtue. (laughs) My virtue is that I'm muscular slash strong. Aesthetic as fuck.
2: (laughs) (laughs) With the might and the adrenaline... Coursing through your veins, you hit this creature so hard that you managed to make its head explode just like it did when you shot one.
1: Bam! Like hitting a hammer against a landmark. And the
2: gore goes all over you, and it goes all over Viola, but you managed to bend down and retrieve the shotgun. William, as you continue to read these Latin phrases out loud, growing more confident in your pronunciations, I'm going to need you to make a roll as well. Mm. Rolls Place.
3: and he does it great and he summons a Pokemon
2: Squirtle I
1: choose you Squirtle
3: <laughs> Son of a bitch <laughs> You have anything else you can burn? We're gonna burn a virtue um, I'm patient So I'm gonna, bi- I'm gonna be Biden <laughs> Biden my time <laughs> and,
2: uh,
3: <laughs> but and I'm gonna wait for it to attack
2: mm-hmm.
3: But then I'm gonna say the phrase then Okay
2: You have managed to single out one of the Latin phrases that seemingly intends to banish this creature back to where it came from, whatever hole it crawled out of to come and wreak havoc on this simple cruise ship vacation. And you hold that phrase within you, and you bide your time. Jordan, what were you doing?
0: I'm keeping my eye transfixed on the rope and waiting for the right moment to fucking shoot that bitch as to uh, damage
1: the mother. I'm going to use this moment. This is my fucking uh, uh, Liam Hemsworth or Chris has whichever one and cabin in the woods moment (laughs) (laughs) oh oh, no (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna take the double barrel shotgun and try and get on top of the queen like up towards the head climb up there and then like point blank
2: if you would have given me the shotgun back none of this would have ever happened (laughs) make a roll for me no I'm
1: fucking desperate
2: (laughs) this is Uh, a dire roll
0: obviously Can we burn stuff for his
1: failures to save him? No, you cannot.
2: Okay. (laughs) He can only save himself.
1: In a fitting way, before I'm not even going to... Actually, no, I'm going (laughs) to (laughs) roll.
2: If you need it, you can reveal it.
1: There's a one, and I'm going to use my voice. In a fitting way, I'm very naive. (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> that is fitting! <laughs> Doesn't
0: he save the one by burning it?
2: He saves himself, oh. I thought. Uh, it, it's a success by burning. Yeah.
1: Sorry. Uh, and we, you can treat that as like a success of me just climbing up or even getting there or whatnot. Or maybe your naivety keeps you from being able to climb it at all. And you're now forced to I'm just that stand at the bottom. I think it's it. more so naive, naive that I even think this is a good idea. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Um, You crawl up onto the belly of this beast, and you aim the shotgun, but as you gain a hold on it, you feel yourself begin to sink into the creature, and you feel as slowly your legs, and then up to your stomach, and then your arms as you are dissolved inside of the hive mother great so he still died he died and with that we will end that chapter and it's hot wax with the last stand comes the inherent truth that the world is dark the three of you having just watched one of your compatriots sacrifice himself for a few moments for you are faced with the hive mother slowly inching towards you, seemingly just about at the right moment for you to fire the chandelier, but the monsters close in on you. I'm William? taking a
0: shot. Yeah? At the rope? Yeah.
2: Okay, roll.
1: You get one buggin' dice. How
3: thick is this rope?
1: Thick, thick, thick. thick
3: pretty
0: thick I'd like to burn my moment please because it makes sense it says I will find hope oh can you sorry (laughs) it says I will find hope if I feel loved and accepted by someone uh, in parentheses someone does a selfish act for me
2: holding the memory of Brett fresh in your mind you aim the gun up at the rope And you take one fateful shot, separating the rope from the chandelier that falls and grazes the Hive Mother's face and embeds itself into her chest and begins to scrape down her visage, taking multiple gouges of flesh with it and she lets out a scream so loud that blood begins to drip from all of your ears, and you have to cover and bow down and try not to let it overwhelm you. But she is gravely injured. The creatures begin to circle around you, brandishing their claws and brandishing their teeth. But the Hive Mother seems to be swaying, you have taken a chunk out of its head. First place. Uh, William, go ahead and make another roll for me with the one dice we have left.
3: <laughs> Great. Good, <laughs> I'm going to roll. Four. <laughs> <Can I? laughs> what to burn a if... moment. Burn them if you have them.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Oh, sorry, I need that. I will find hope if I see my wife's face again, smiling in the sun.
2: <laughs> William, as you stand in front of... It's being burned. ...this horror that is impossible to describe or fathom, you close your eyes, feeling the poison in your veins, feeling the weight of losing a friend. And as you have your eyes closed, you remember a vacation to Cape Cod, where your wife was standing at the shore, looking back at you, her wind being tossed her hair being tossed in the wind.
1: <laughs> her wind being tossed in her hair. <laughs> the
2: wind tossing her hair. <laughs> and you find hope in seeing your wife's face once again. And you open your eyes. Are you wielding anything?
3: Just that frying pan.
2: Just the frying pan? You know what? Good enough. You turn around, and you begin swinging on any creature that is close to you with what can only be described as a last stand. You start taking them out like baseballs exploding. Thwack. (laughs) Viola, what are you doing?
3: I don't really have anything other than the bread knife. Mm -hmm. So... I'm just kind of, like, thwarting them off, mm-hmm. hoping they don't come any closer. Make a roll. God damn it. Okay. You <laughs> got... Like, yeah. What?
2: Nice. should be like, shink,
4: shink, 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 shink.
2: Six. Hey. Right. <laughs> With the bread knife. As you whip yourself around, you accidentally slash the neck of the one that's closest to you, and it screams and grips itself, and the Hive Queen brings its crippled head around to look at you, and as one creature falls, three creatures come forward and envelope you. So even though I got it, I still died? Just like he did. He succeeded, but... What the heck? You took one out? you are brave and they take you down Jordan you take out creature after creature and the hive mother grows more and more angry and begins to shed more and more stolen blood as she lunges toward you knocking the chandelier over itself uh, get William, scraped bitch make another roll To me? yep
3: oh sorry you're good Okay, let's let's see what happens. You got one more thing to burn, Bob it <laughs> Of course, it's a brink. Yeah, um, had
2: to come to this.
3: I have seen you choose yourself over others in dire situations. Ooh, good luck. Well, here I am. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Pretty dire. So,
2: in this moment, you you look over and you see Jordan unleashing a hail of bullets onto these creatures, but they are closing in on him swiftly as the Hive Mother is not enjoying being fired upon and losing so many compatriots. And instead, you back away, and you keep picturing your wife, her hair, blowing in the breeze. Jordan, make a roll.
0: Two? All right, let's burn that (laughs) virtue. Um, My virtue is caring, In this case, I see an old man suffering and I care about him, so I'm taking him out of his misery.
2: (laughs) Okay. You turn and you use one of the precious bullets that you have been using against the monsters. You aim it right at William's head. And William, (laughs) as you realize what is happening, you close your eyes and you think about your wife. And then he fires. Jordan, you are the last one standing. The hive mother, angry, but hurt, seems to finally crumple over and lay her head down on the ground of the ballroom. And the creatures are losing some vigor, but they're still coming for you. Do you continue to fire on them?
0: I'm taking myself out out of the game. Okay. Uh.
2: As the creatures lumber forward, ...reaching their claws, showing their teeth coated in the blood of the people that you boarded this cruise ship with. You raise the gun to your forehead, and you pull the trigger. And with that, the light of your group is extinguished. But, years later, they find the wreckage of this cruise ship, and the many skeletons embedded within and they find a small recorder.
1: I can't believe it, bro. This is it. This is it, bro. Ah, oh, shit. Well, yeah, this is it. I just wanted to spend more time with my family, my dog back home. Uh, last but not least, I, I just wanted to spend time with my, my bros. I love him so much, man.
2: <laughs> Rebecca, if you're hearing this, things aren't looking good. I just want to know, want you to know that I love you, and you're the only family I have, and I want to leave everything to you, and I know that you can make it. I know that we've been two peas in a pod since forever ago, but if I can make it through this, you can make it. Even if I can't, I'll be with you, no matter what. I love you.
3: Well, this is it. I just want to let my wife know that I love her very much. And, well, I don't know. I've lived a good life, and now it's time for me to go, I suppose. I love you all. Goodbye.
0: If you're finding this, I... I'm so sorry. I, I wish I I wish I wouldn't have gone. I, I wish I wouldn't have run. It doesn't it doesn't matter. None of it matters what you have, what you own. All that matters is who you have. Please remember that. Mama I'm coming. I'll see you soon.
2: And they share the files with your families? and your family's managed to find closure, even though what happened to you was unexplainable, unfathomable, somehow you continue to live on. And that's our game.
1: Ah, so good. <laughs> Yay. Yay, thank you so much, Chloe.
2: Yay. That was so good. Thanks.
1: Big round of applause wow. for Chloe. And
2: I... Alex only has three hours of audio. Hey, <laughs> okay, no worries.
0: I have some really good stuff in there that I plan on uh, doing. That was um, really good.
2: Oh, thank you. I the, was terrified.
0: <laughs> thank you guys for sticking around. I hope you guys enjoyed that little uh, playthrough of Ten Candles. Hey, if you guys stuck around... Um, Keep 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 on listening because we co- we have coming up right now uh, the premiere of a brand new um, audio drama written by none other than our own Nick Mustakangas with voice acting by the whole Entertain This crew. Chloe is currently still burning things,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so stick around for that. Um, no quick this this week, so after that's done, that'll be the episode. So I'm gonna go ahead and tell you guys thanks so much for listening, and we will see you guys next Friday. Uh, where our boy Michael will be back to take over
2: hey! <laughs>
0: see you then
1: hey. happy yeah. Halloween
0: everyone Forgotten. good night <laughs>
2: air was thick and frigid as the stampede of boys shuffled their way across the courtyard and onto the buses. The first church of Our Lady's Heart Catholic School and its connecting chapel was old, but stood the test of time, and menacingly tall it stood. Her bricks held true to their foundation through the years of weather that ground them down from their once rough texture to a more smooth gloss, reflective from the heavy mist that hung in the autumn air. This towering giant had become a staple of the small town of Downing, be it the only building of its age yet to fall into disrepair. With no money for upkeep, the town had come to accept that God himself must be holding the structure up, if not some other equally powerful force. This centerpiece of architecture usually disappeared into the monotony of day to day, but around this time of year it shined. Halloween was around the corner, and this sight surely set the mood. Like a drop of rain on a window, one boy, a boy named Fern, separated from the conglomerate and headed, instead, further into the beast. As he approached the large wooden chapel doors of the church, his lengthy legs carried him along his voyage. He felt overwhelmed by the building's size, or maybe what it represented. He wasn't short, but he in no way compared to the size of the daunting closed doors elegantly and precisely crafted for this specific spot. It belonged here, it fit perfectly, and that only caused more anxiety within Fern. This crossed his mind for but a moment, when suddenly he was forced back into reality, tripping over his shoes a few sizes too big for his feet, and fell to his hands and knees. The pain was sudden, but faded as fast as it came. He had a small scrape that was short of scab, but wasn't bleeding. He pushed his fawn-like body back to its center of gravity and continued to the door. Fern gave three staggered knocks before speaking.
0: Hello? Miss Franz? Are you here? It's three o'clock.
2: This yielded no response. Grabbing the handle, he gave a slight push, hoping for resistance. No such luck. The door creaked open, welcoming him in. He stepped over the threshold, losing himself in the large crucifix displayed on the center wall of the chapel.
1: Fern Bush.
2: Fern whipped around to face Father Thomas. He was an older gentleman in the standard black outfit of a priest. His face, that usually held knowledge and wisdom, currently held no more than interest. And something else. Something Fern couldn't put his finger on. Father Thomas approached from the shadows of the chapel and into the doorway of Miss Franz's room.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. I was looking for Miss Franz. We were supposed to have counseling and-
1: Miss Franz's mother called to let us know she was unable to come to school today. I'm sorry that no one told you. Shall I wait with you for your father? No, no, thank you, sir. Really, son, I feel you and I never had time to go over your mother's passing. It can be so hard to lose a mother at such a young age. To feel alone. Unprotected. Vulnerable to the world. Do you feel vulnerable, son? I... Uh...
0: I'm sorry. I'm... I'm gonna wait outside. My dad gets angry when he has
1: to... wait too long right then well i've got papers to grade say a few prayers boy it'll do you good say a few prayers and be on your way
2: father thomas turned slowly and began back to his office with his stack of papers in hand fern watching closely as he went something was off about him but fern couldn't tell what it could have been the way he carried himself now a confidence had developed that the old man hadn't had before He stood straight and right, almost as though the years of weight and guilt he carried from the thousands of confessionals he heard, all the troubles were gone, or at the very least being ignored. Fern felt frozen, watching as a small slip of paper fell from the pile in the old man's arms. Perhaps the father hadn't noticed as the door to his office slammed shut, abandoning the paper outside. Fern rushed to the front doors of the chapel through the pews, but halted for a moment when his eyes caught the slip. The paper was yellowed and torn at the edges. Perhaps its apparent age was what called to the young boy. But for whatever reason, Fern felt he couldn't leave it behind. He reached down quickly and pocketed it, making his way once more to the large doors that now offered an escape into the cold October air. Fern looked around and found a place to rest as he waited. His hands, beginning to turn blue from the cold, slipped into his pockets in search of escape but found only the note again. He pulled it out and examined it, carefully pulling it from its foldings and revealing the inside. What the... A strange series of symbols was etched forcefully into the paper. He was overwhelmed by low voices, seemingly coming from every direction, whispering unintelligible things a chill going down his spine. His heart began racing as he felt himself slipping, 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 when suddenly he heard a loud... (laughs) Fern looked up to see his father now parked in front of him, the world once again quiet as he proceeded to fold the paper into his jacket pocket and climb into his dad's old pickup.
4: Hey, son. I'm sorry I'm late. Could have sworn I was early. Uh, yeah, she, um... She wasn't... She wasn't there today. Well? How was school? Um... Not... Not bad. Anything more to say? Surely something eventful happened. Nope. How's counseling been going with... Uh... What's her name again? France. Miss France. Yeah. It's...
2: The only thing that could pull Fern's mind from the note The sweet peace her presence brought Safety As they drove, Fern's mind wandered to the image of Miss Franz Her icy blue eyes and tight blouses kept his attention Even when she asked questions he didn't know how to answer Even now, thinking about her Fern found it hard to concentrate on the conversation his father was attempting to have with him
4: too bad about today's session. Must be that damn flu. It's going around this year. Half my company has had it horrible. Maybe she got tired of dealing with you.
2: (laughs) The truck grew silent once again as Fern lost himself in thought, reviewing the last hour in his mind over and over. His father only stole slight, worrying glances at his son, who sat unmoving, staring out the window, and on they drove until the silence was broken by rubber on gravel driveway.
4: Well, here we are. Home sweet home. You know, it's almost Halloween.
2: The house was an old shotgun-style brick farmhouse, nothing too impressive aside from its decrepit age. The gutters hung, overflowing with leaves from the large maple tree that once held a tire swing. Now only the rotted rope remained. A number of shrubs were littered with what looked like cotton in an attempt to simulate spiderwebs, and a scarecrow wearing a scream branded mask stood propped against a support beam on the porch, which too was littered with several small pumpkins on hay bales.
4: Threw this together while you were at school. It's nothing like your mom used to do, but I figure it's enough to carry out the old Halloween tradition. It's this weekend, you know. That's right. Uh
0: would you mind if I had some friends over for a for a bonfire?
4: Fine with me.
2: There's a certain electricity in the air around this time of year, the high schoolers all excited for the weekend of partying before Halloween. It was hard to focus on schoolwork as the substitute religion teacher clumsily fumbled his way through a lesson. Fern found his mind once again wandering, thinking back on the last lesson taught by Miss Franz in this same room. Though at the time he wasn't focused on her words, he found himself able to recite every word she spoke. He thought of Moses receiving a vision from a burning bush to lead the Israelites to Canaan. The words turned to images in Fern's mind, the smoke and flame that spread from branch to branch, that then spread from bush to bush and from ash to ash, like a wildfire. He was once again pulled back to reality as the final bell rang and kids rushed the halls. Fern gathered his things quickly and left the classroom. His mind felt heavy as he pushed through the sea of boys. He wished he weren't simply a part of the wave. He thought it unfair that Moses was able to part the sea when he needed to, but day by day, Fern would simply be left to sink or swim. Finally, as he reached his locker, he came to the conclusion he wasn't chosen. That must have been the difference. Moses was chosen. His thought was interrupted by the sound of his locker slamming shut. There, standing next to him, his best friend, Sid Sleeve, He was greasy and unkempt, but loyal and had known Fern for several years. Not to mention, he still hung slightly above Fern on the social ladder. Oh,
0: hey man. You coming over tonight?
3: Oh yeah, bro. I'll be there. I was just about to ask you what time you wanted me to come.
0: Say around 7.30, or a little sooner if you want.
3: Alright. Anyone else going?
0: Yeah, I invited, you know, the the squad.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Nice.
2: Fern produced a number of rather large, leather-bound books from his locker, each one looking older than the last. With every book, Sid found his curiosity growing, and by the fifth book he could no longer contain it.
3: Goddamn, man, how much homework did you get?
0: It's it's not homework. They're books that I checked out of the library.
3: Let me see one of them. What are you reading? World languages? Trying to impress the ladies with some French? Oui, oui, omelette du fromage. Is this where you've been when you're not in class? Come on man, you know I'm
0: not like that. I've been out of class because... I, my, my dad put me in counseling.
3: Oh, so what's up with the books?
0: Okay, you, you can't tell anyone. I ran into Father Thomas and he, he seemed off. Then, when he went into his office to grade papers, he dropped this.
2: Fern reached into his pocket and presented the yellowed piece of paper to Sid.
3: Whoa, what the fuck? This is fucking weird. Bad vibes for sure. Is this why you're in counseling? No, it's...
0: It's because of my mom. I I don't think Dad thinks I'm handling all of this well. I just... I just don't know what to say to him anymore.
3: Well, did you tell him about this?
0: No. He'd just take it and tell me to say some prayers or some shit, and I'd never see it again. There's something to this, man. I just know it.
3: Yeah, this thing is fucking weird. You think Father Thomas had anything to do with this?
0: Yeah, right. He's never around except for weekly mass.
3: You know, people say they saw him burning some of his own bush, just like Moses, if you know what I mean. You gotta wonder where he gets all those crazy sermon ideas.
2: Fern took the note back from his friend, carefully inspecting it to ensure the exchange hadn't tampered with it. He folded it back and placed it inside one of his books.
3: Anyways, man, I gotta get going. I'll see you later.
2: Later, Fern found himself standing in front of the big oak doors of the chapel. They were closed, which was unusual at this time of day, being that the chapel was nearly always open so people could pray. Something was off, and Fern could sense it. His hands began to sweat as he reached out. He could feel his heart beating as his eyes locked on his reflection in the large, polished, bronze handle of the door. His hands began to shake as he pushed it open with a loud creak. All the lights were off, only the crucifix illuminated. Fern once again bowed to acknowledge it, settling his nerves a little. Hello? Miss Franz? "'Father Thomas!' "'He listened for a reply, "'but only the howling of the wind outside "'on the drafty windows returned his salutation. "'He sat down and began to pray "'as he had done so many times before here. "'Suddenly, a flash of one red symbol "'took over his field of vision "'as soon as he closed his eyes. "'Dazed, he looked up toward the crucifix "'and then quickly surveyed his surroundings. "'The chapel remained as it was before, "'dimly lit,' But bright enough to make out shapes of the liturgical books sitting neatly in the pews. Nothing out of the ordinary. Fern scowled, shook his head, and refocused on prayer, once again closing his eyes. Three more symbols appeared in the black, flashing, one after another. This time he felt it in his head, like metal being forged on an anvil. He hadn't ever felt a headache hurt like this one, and yet it was strangely familiar touching deeply in some hidden area of his brain. This time, more unnerved, Fern stood up and walked quickly towards the exit of the chapel.
0: I've got to get out of here,
2: he thought to himself, heart pounding almost out of his chest. He hurried across the lobby, seeing Father Thomas making his way towards the chapel. Fern gave him a timid wave. Father Thomas returned with a head nod. Oddly, he was once again hunched, and his wise disposition had once again cloaked his form this should have brought some form of relief to Fern, but oddly this worried him more. Deep to his core, he knew something was wrong. This only confirmed the past interaction as an abnormality. Though Fern recognized no immediate danger, he felt a wave of relief as he bursted out of the doors of the chapel. His father's old truck, once again, illuminated orange in the sunset, appeared as a golden chariot to safety. To his home. Darkness fell quickly on the boy, and with it, the promise of companionship. As Fern's father lit a small fire, Fern greeted Sid as he approached the house.
3: I'm not the first one here, am I?
2: Fern gave a knowing look before looking at his feet.
3: I'm the only one here, aren't I?
2: Through the night of merriment, the fire kept itself alive, shining bright, though the night grew darker. Finally dying down, the two boys grew quiet until that all that could be heard was the crackling fire. A few moments passed before Fern got a feeling. It was one that he, at this point, had gotten used to. It was the same feeling he felt reading the paper, and the same feeling he felt opening the chapel, and now that feeling was coming from the old barn that rested on his property. He nudged Sid. Hey.
3: Do you hear that? No, I don't hear anything. Listen. I I think it's coming from the barn.
2: A moment passed. Sid listened closely. A short three knocks could be heard. Then a moment would pass. Then three more. This was all the convincing Sid needed.
3: Okay, let's go check it out.
2: The two boys stamped out what was left of the fire and disappeared into the dark veil of night.
3: It's almost like that story your mom used to tell us, huh? (laughs) Which one? You know, the one about the school teacher, the mechanic, and that nerdy kid? Their car breaks down in the middle of the woods and the mechanic sees an old barn off in the distance and he leads the group to the barn looking for tools instead they find A, a PORTAL TO HELL, hell. Ah! <laughs> 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 You know, if you ever want to talk about her, we can I know, now shh We're getting closer
2: The barn was dark and ominous from a time before people wired electricity to their barns It felt like unending darkness from wall to wall. Even in this strange darkness, Fern found himself able to see, his eyes adjusted in a way he was unfamiliar with. Not only that, Fern's hearing seemed momentarily enhanced as he quickly found an unlatched gate blowing in the evening wind, causing the knocking. He turned around to inform Sid on his finding, but found nothing more than an empty barn.
0: Sid! Sid, where are you?
2: Fern stepped softly forward, looking around in the dark. He could feel the hairs on the back of his neck starting to rise as he stepped, stepped- Ah! Uh, what the fuck, man? What, what the hell?! Fern fell onto his back in the middle of the barn, catching himself with his hands. He could feel the sharp pain as his scab from his tumble the day before split open and bled, once more onto the floor. Sid reached for his cell phone in his pocket, turning on the flashlight. He was shocked by what he saw.
3: Dude, you need to get up.
2: Fern's fall had pushed enough hay aside to reveal something written on the ground. Something in another language. A circle of ancient text in what looked like dark red paint. Through further inspection, the two discovered this writing spanned the entire floor of the barn. Fern quickly rushed back to the door. Hey, Fern? Fern turned back around as Sid approached him.
3: I'm sorry, man. I didn't mean to hurt you. Let me see your hand. Oh, jeez, it's looking really bad. Yeah, it just... it just really stings. Okay, well let's go get you patched up. I got your book.
2: Fern looked confused at his friend. He hadn't noticed before, but Sid was now holding an old leather-bound book.
0: No, that's alright, Sid. I'll... I'll take it.
2: The pair walked back to the fire pit. After a bit of first aid, Fern's stinging hand turned into no more than a dull whisper, and that fell into quiet normalcy. He opened the newly discovered book and started reading as Sid relit the fire.
3: You feel any better? Huh? Oh, yeah, a little. Good, you had me feeling bad over there. Did you ever figure anything out about that note you found in the chapel?
2: In a flash, the same three symbols lit up Fern's mind, this time staying as a burn on his retina for a moment before fading once more. He winced in pain before answering.
0: Oh, no, I, I still got nothing on it. I've been busy learning French to do any research.
3: <laughs> you dog, I knew you were learning new tricks. I'm getting cold. I'm going to throw some more shit on the fire.
2: For a moment, as Sid searched for material to burn, Fern was left alone in the glow of the fire, still struggling to stay lit. Most of the symbols in the book were unfamiliar to him, but he was having trouble getting past the few he did recognize, the few letters that spelled out Heather Bush, written neatly on the front cover. After a while, Sid returned once more, now holding a large fallen branch still covered with leaves. As he threw it on the embers, the small flame still flickering, it didn't take long before the dry foliage began to burn and smoke. It was this, Fern assumed, that was causing his now lightheadedness and unease. And for some reason, some of the words in this book were starting to make sense. Sid was quick to take notice of his friend's condition.
0: You alright, man? Yeah, I just... uh, I... I need to to rest. I, I feel a little... I feel a little
3: queasy... (laughs) <laughs> it's that pizza from lunch, bro. It'll get you.
2: Just then, the fire roared to a size the two had yet seen, a raging blaze about ten feet high at points. The colors began to shift within it from greenish to dark red and back to orange again, the tendrils of flame seeming to lick the air in slow motion. A low and ominous rumble came from within the fire and then growled unbearably loud. The earth beneath them seemed mushy and ever-shifting, as the two found it hard to keep standing upright. Dark symbols burned from the fire and spread into the grass, creating a path to Fern's feet. Fern couldn't understand why, but he was left with an overwhelming urge to walk toward the towering inferno. Step, 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 until he felt the overwhelming heat on his face.
3: Fern, what the fuck are you doing? Fern!
2: In a flash, Fern disappeared within the column of red and yellow-green sickly light as the flames slowly flickered back down to a normal size. As the morning sun began to rise, so too did Mr. Bush. As always, he washed his hair, shaved his face, brushed his teeth, and started a pot of coffee. He thought to himself to ask the boys if they would want any. As he proceeded down the hall, something felt off. There was no TV, no morning chatter, nothing. Looking inside the bedroom confirmed Mr. Bush's suspicion. The boys weren't there. Mr. Bush chuckled to himself, reminiscing on his days of staying out late and drinking with friends, even if at the time they weren't of legal drinking age. His idea was once again justified, as he found Sid passed out in the middle of his front yard. He chuckled once more before nudging him with his foot.
4: You alright, son? Yeah, I think so. That's army coffee, just the way I like it. So strong your spoon stands up in it.
2: Sid took a sip and winced, but politely tried to fight the pain. The events of last night were still foggy. He remembered the trip to the barn, but what was inside? He remembered the fire, but never putting it out.
4: Where is Fern?
2: Sid remembered Fern being there, but not much else.
3: I was hoping he was with you. I, I don't really know. I think he was with me for a bit. Yeah, he was. I, I'm just not sure where he is now.
4: Maybe he got lucky with a nice young lady who showed? Who knows?
3: No, he, he's not like that. I'm the only one who came. Oh. I just remember him getting really close to the fire, and then I looked up and he was gone.
2: Mr. Bush pauses for a moment.
4: Well, I'm sure he'll turn up eventually. This kind of thing happens every so often with that boy.
3: He regularly walks into fires and doesn't come back?
4: Oh, no. I just mean he has a tendency to disappear every so often. He takes after his mother in that regard, I suppose. Let's wait inside.
2: The two entered the residence and attempted to enjoy their coffee at the large wooden dining room table that the bushes once populated every night. The family portrait still hung on the wall. Father. Mother. Son.
3: Sorry about your loss, sir.
4: Cancer is a real bitch. Cancer? Lordy. Is that what Fern told you? No, son. She took her own life. I can't believe
3: Fern would have lied to you about that. Well, I'm sorry for your loss, sir.
4: It's real nice, Sid. You sticking around like you have.
3: How long has it been since she's gone?
4: Two, three months or so. I try not to count the days, son. It only makes me hurt more. I told her not to mess with all that shit.
2: Mr. Bush trailed off and lit a cigarette. He took a long drag and blew the smoke into the air. And then he began to speak again.
4: All that... Shit. She found it interesting. Look where it led her. And our boy. My poor boy being the one left to find her. I just... I can't lose him too, son. I... He'll come back. I know the boy. I fear the worst.
3: Sir, it seems like there's something you're not telling
4: me. Sid, you're a good kid. If you find him out there somewhere, you give me a call. I'll be praying I get to see him again sometime real soon. Me too, sir. Me too.
2: The next two days passed slowly as Sid searched. Halloween night, the boy did nothing but call out into the darkness. As Monday arrived, Sid slowly sunk into his new reality, and with it the understanding that he would never see his friend again. Still, something deep within his mind called to him, something primal that made it near impossible to leave a pack member behind. Sid found himself at the front door of the bushes every day. And every day it was the same story. Mr. Bush answered the door in his usual manner. But each time a little more concern grew in his voice, day after day. Until one evening, after a football game, Sid felt the urge again and once again rode his bike to the Bush's property. This time he knocked on the door and waited as usual, but no one answered. Sid convinced himself that maybe Mr. Bush had gone out to hang up more flyers or buy cigarettes. Just to ease his mind, he circled around the back of the house to see if there were any lights on or signs of human activity. His search yielded that all seemed in order, but no Mr. Bush. Sid slowly surveyed the area near the woods, panning slowly towards the barn. The barn. There was something strange about that barn. Immediately Sid felt his fight-or-flight kick in, but he was desperate to find his friend. That creaky old shack barely stood much taller than the house, roughly twenty foot tall with sagging support beams and a slightly tilted roof. It sat menacingly, mocking him with that damn door slightly ajar. His pace quickened, as did his pulse, the excited delirium drawing him closer to the barn door. He moved quietly, close enough to see the white lead paint chipping off the weathered doors, even without his glasses, no closer than five feet. He quickly pushed open the large doors and launched himself inside.
3: Vern? Mr. Bush? Hello?
2: He walked slowly around the old barn, now dimly lit by the full moon, the hay crackling beneath his feet. He walked deeper into the barn. The wretched old barn. Sid could have sworn in that moment that the air wasn't as thick or pungent the last time he stepped foot in these old ruins. The smell was assaulting him like a rotten fruit but more acrid. Almost reminiscent of the fire, but something was just wrong about it. Sid winced at the smell and the memories it brought back. He then noticed a hunched figure in the far corner of the barn.
3: Fern, is is that you?
2: The figure shuffled towards him, showing itself in the beams of light that penetrated the ramshackle barn. It certainly looked like Fern, but something wasn't right. Sid flipped on his phone's flashlight once again, hands shaking in excitement. He couldn't believe that he had finally found his best friend. He shined the light toward what appeared to be Fern. His mouth dropped open as his eyes met the figure in full light. It was Fern, but he looked charred, covered in black ash with tattered clothes. His skin half melted off in parts, showing glowing red underneath. Like bloody scabs that emitted light from within. He staggered forward, dragging a rusty shovel behind him.
3: My oldest friend, Sydney. Please don't hurt me, man. I can help you.
0: Oh, you shall. Just as he did.
2: Fern's blackened finger pointed to the center of the barn, lying there, his father bloodied and cold.
3: Why why are you doing this? Because I was chosen, Sydney.
0: I was taught. To, 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 to who I to who I loved to who I loved must go. So 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 that the one that I love rise my mother wasn't strong she wasn't strong like i am i i am the burning bush <laughs>
2: fern lunged towards sid brandishing the shovel in his hand sid let out a shriek and stumbled back grabbing for the object embedded in his head as the world faded around him he pushed himself against the damp walls of the old barn, trying to hold on and make contact with his friend. Fern, please. Sid looked upon his friend one last time, but saw something else as well. Behind Fern stood a large figure encapsulated in silhouette. Sid's world faded to black as the figure rested a hand on Fern's shoulder.
0: Ashes. To ashes and dust
1: to dust
3: well thanks for sticking around at the end of this halloween special i hope you enjoyed it the story of the Burn Bush was written and edited by Nick Mustakangas, with the vocal talents of Chloe Price as narrator, Alex Steele as Fern Bush, Michael Savoya as Father Thomas, Dan Robertson as Mr. Bush, and me as Sid Sleeve. Our theme music, as always, is Rushable by Aaron Spencer, with additional music by DJW. Tune in every Friday for new episodes. Thanks for listening, and Happy Halloween.